0: That's a little better. Is that okay? Is that all right? Okay, good deal. Small groups started tonight. So we're excited about that. 7 weeks this this uh this semester because of summertime, so we're not going to go 13. So it'll be kind of short, I assume. So I'm glad that they're all out there for all of you that are in here. Glad to have you. This is a small group. No, it's a big group actually. <laughs> and um we, uh, we are going to, I guess, continue on identity. We thought we were going to end it, but we had several people who were like, man, can't we just keep going with it? It was uh, really good. So we're going to keep rocking on identity. And uh, Pastor Rick started it. And then I came in and talked about what identity was not. How many remember that? And then Miss Nicole, she came up and talked about it here a couple weeks ago before Pentecost, and so now we're going to keep keep uh, kicking it off. And I was going to actually talk on a different subject tonight, but as I was sitting down, um, reading and writing and thinking, um, I, I felt like I was supposed to kind of uh, go over just a segment here, again, about what identity is not, but throw it in a different way, maybe that you have never heard of before. So, uh, I want to do that real quick tonight, Um, and you know, when we kicked it off, and I talked about what it wasn't, um, Nicole, Pastor Nicole, also kind of said some things in there, and then reverted, or talked about what I had said, and, and brought some things up, and I guess one of the things that was really big was what identity was not, was the four B's, and does anybody remember what the four B's were? brawn was one, yes, beauty, brains, and bucks. Yeah, good job, you guys. Awesome. I think your kids have you beat, though, so they, they remember as well. So it's, yes, we talked about the brains, the beauty, the bucks, and the brawn. And again, beauty was good looks or, you know, styles that we have, And uh, brains was your intelligence or your superiority. That might be an identity. Uh, The bucks was your worth or maybe the things you have. That can be identities to people. Um, And then the brawn, power and control. Those are identities that that people use for themselves. But these types of identities come from your worth, all right, or sense of self. Uh, in other words, you perceive yourself according to how you feel about those four B's in your life. And there's a lot more than those. And of course, that's not good. All right? It's not good at all. And, and I'm going to tell you why. You know, if you have new clothes all the time and you're always walking around with new stuff, well, you might feel good about yourself. And man, this is good. I mean, this, I, I'm wearing the new duds. It's, it's my identity. It looks great. But then on the other hand, Let's say that you uh, don't have any control over your life at home, over your life at work, or anything, then you might be depressed all the time. Because, you know, man, I just I don't have any control. So you just can't use these things as identity because it just will not work. Then the other thing that I said a few weeks ago was, if you are, or if who you are is what you do, and what you have, that's who you are, then who are you when you don't do what you do anymore and you don't have what you used to have? Now what? Now what kind of identity am I going to run to? Now who am I going to be? Because that's gone, or this is gone, or this happened, and man, I backed that up, that's who I thought I was, and it's gone, it disappears. Now what? Now what am I going to do? So again, it just doesn't work. And so I want to approach it again a little bit different here. And I want to kind of take it a little slow so you understand where I'm going. Because as I was writing this stuff down, I was almost confusing myself. So, but that's pretty easy to do. (laughs) So here's what I want to say. There was a writer named Benjamin Nugent who wrote a story in the New York Times called Upside of Distraction. He brought up identity in one of the statements that he was writing about himself, which I thought was interesting. He said that he made the quality of his work the measure of his worth. The quality of his work the measure of his worth. Well, I'd never heard it said like that before. And I thought, well, that's very interesting. And I, as I was sitting there, boom, King Nebuchadnezzar came straight to my mind. And I thought, yes, God, yes, King Nebuchadnezzar kind of did the exact same thing. So I started looking up King Nebuchadnezzar. And, you know, he was the longest reigning ruler and the most powerful ruler of the Babylon Empire. I thought that was pretty interesting. He destroyed Jerusalem in 526 B.C., and then again he destroyed Jerusalem in 586 B.C., This time, destroying Solomon's temple and then the uh, deportation of Hebrews into captivity. And he also, if that wasn't amazing enough, I mean, bad for us Christians and the Jews, but that wasn't bad enough. Then he also destroyed the Egyptians. That's how powerful he was. He took them babies down too. It's amazing. Uh, He was a, um, a very smart man. He was a great conqueror and he was also a great builder. And these are all facts that you can find in history. To this day, there are thousands of bricks that have been found in Iraq with his name stamped on them. So I looked it up, and you know, listen, man, I'm blonde. I'm looking up and I'm hoping I'm gonna see Nebuchadnezzar. Well, duh, it's in their language. It doesn't say Nebuchadnezzar in English. I was like, I don't say Nebuchadnezzar. What is it? Oh, duh, it's in their language. They didn't have English back then. But they found thousands of bricks you know, still with his name on it. Wow, that's pretty good, right? You know, he, uh, he expanded Babylon, rebuilt it and then beautified it. Of course, it says with the help of his wife. So of course they helped do the beautification of things. He built a summer palace and developed hanging gardens, which is just one of Nebuchadnezzar's architectural achievements, which today still ranks among the seven wonders of the ancient world. Man, that's pretty amazing. And I did see some pictures of it, and I didn't show them or whatever, but I thought that was pretty cool. But we all do know what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. And it's found in Daniel, the fourth chapter. And we're going to read here in verse 29. Daniel 4 and 29. It says, At the end of the 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. Before that, he had a dream, he needed an interpreter the interpreter of course came from God interpreted the dream everything was okay but then 12 months later one year after the dream was interpreted to him all right he was walking about the royal palace of babylon the king spoke saying is not this great babylon that i have built for a uh, for the honor of my majesty so that i thought that was pretty interesting it says um have I built, it said, for uh, and for the honor of my majesty. I built it. My majesty. I, I, and I. It was all about him. That's his identity. It was all about him. His identity was in everything that he had done. The majestic things that he had created that I have done. This great Babylon is because of me. Is basically what he was saying there. But then it says, While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. Mm. I'd hate to have them words out out of heaven to me. And they shall drive you from the men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whoever he wishes. Huh. And here we think that it's us that puts people where they need to be. No, it's God. And there's a reason for it all. There's a reason we may not understand it all, but you said it right there. Me, he said, I make the rules. I put people where they need to be. You are nothing without me. That's basically what he's telling him. And then, of course, you know that very hour it said, King Nebuchadnezzar. Bam, like was messed up out there and with the animals. So I guess my question is, um, you know, who, who is he now? What what is he now? Um, where is he now? Because he certainly wasn't doing what he used to do anymore. And he certainly doesn't have what he used to have anymore. Thus, you know, with the animals. Right? Amen. So the point is, is when you make anything, everybody say anything. Your identity, like the four B's, all those things stop becoming good things. I'm not saying those four B's aren't good. All right, having brains and bronze and bucks, you know, and all those, I, they're, they're good things, all right? They're not bad things. It's just when you start identifying them as who you are, do they become bad, as what happened with King Nebuchadnezzar. It messed him up, and here's why. Benjamin Nugent was a writer, and being a writer is good also. But when writing became his identity... He, uh, he made the quality of his work, the measure of his worth. It eventually turned all bad. Think about it. If, if that is what he did, he's a writer, and he's making that worth, just, you know, how good is it? Uh, I am this, I mean, and I can't be, I can't be a way that I don't want to be. I mean, how can I criticize myself? If this is the way I look at things, if the quality of his work is the measure of his worth, how can I critique myself then? I sure ain't going to say anything bad about myself. And I guarantee you, he'll never be able to take criticism from anybody else. It ain't going to happen. There's no way. And it didn't happen. I mean, it didn't happen. And you're going to be partial to your own work, right? I mean, I'm partial to my own work. You know, I think, yeah, I'm a pretty good painter. I think I'm pretty good. Until I see somebody else that's younger and doesn't need tape. And now I need tape. I <laughs> you know? could wreck me if I wanted to. But nah, whatever. You go do it, bro. Enjoy. Yeah, all right. But <laughs> here's the thing. He said that he couldn't look at his writings realistically any longer. And it became crushing to him. Because he did those things. Because he put, that, put himself in that situation. Putting your identity in anything you do will end up or could up crushing you, just like it crushed him. So when you look at it this way, it's a whole different ballgame. And I'll give you another example. Uh, I'm going to use Don Smithy, one of our lead guitar players, as an example. And because, I'm using him because when I was writing this down yesterday in the office, he walked by and I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, he's Don Smithy, that's good. Let's just say Don Smithy, is the best lead guitar player in the entire state of Ohio. He is the bomb, all right? And he knows he's the bomb. He knows it. You know, he's wanted everywhere. People ask him to do this, that. You know, and all of a sudden, so one day, you know, he has enough money, and he decided to take a trip to good old New York. And he gets to New York, and he was checking everything out. Wow, this is a pretty cool place. And he was getting ready to get on a bus, and he hears the sound. And it's a guitar, and it sounds pretty good. So instead of getting on the bus, he follows the sound. And when he hears, or when he gets to where the sound was, he was shocked because it was this dude who wasn't dressed very good. He was standing on a street corner. He had a bag out there, and he was playing that guitar just to pay his rent. But dude, that dude was shredding that guitar. I mean, he was so good that they called the fire department over just in case his fingers caught on fire, because he was so good. Now, if Don did what that writer did, what's that going to do to Don? What what is that going to do to him? It could ruin him. It could wreck him, right? Absolutely it could, (laughs) If Don's identity was in his ability to play the guitar and he had to measure his worth against that street beggar, (laughs) it could send Don's self-esteem right down the drain because he's put his value and his worth in what he did and how good he was. I think sometimes we do that. Maybe unknowing and sometimes maybe knowing. And it's a bad thing and it's never going to end well. Never going to end well. C.S. Lewis said it this way <clears throat> We are really not proud to have money. We are just proud to have more money than the next person. Oh boy, that's shocking, right? We, uh, <clears throat> we aren't really proud that we're smart. We're just glad that we're smarter than the next person. Ain't that true? That's absolutely true. Let's be honest with ourselves. Now, write this down if you're writing something down. If you're not writing something down, write this down anyway. Any identity that is achieved instead of received doesn't count as your true identity. I'm gonna explain that in a second. Any identity that is achieved instead of received doesn't count as your true identity. And that is because you feel better about you because someone else isn't as good as you. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah, it's true. They ain't as smart as you. They aren't as uh, conservative as you. They aren't as kind as you. Uh, They don't work as hard as you. The list goes on and on and on and on. And it's very true. And here's the deal. This is, I think, why God put what he put in the Bible, because he knows us. He created us and he knows us. And, And I think this is why he put what he put in Ephesians, 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from who? Yourselves. We didn't do anything. All right, We didn't do anything to get anywhere. It is a free gift of God, not by what? Works that you should. Man, look what I did. Look where I am. I am here because of me. Check out my palace, baby. It is my majesty. It's what I've done. Look at my big crib. It's because of what I did. I'm going to heaven because I feed the poor. I go to church seven times a week. Not at all. That's why God put what he put on there. So nobody could boast. It's not by works that we're going to get to heaven. Not at all. No, it's by grace through faith and that's it. So I'm going to say it again this way. Your identity that is achieved instead of received doesn't count as your true identity because you temporarily feel better about yourself because you feel that there are people that will always be beneath you and me. It's true. I grew up on the south side of the tracks in Pickle, Ohio. I know what it felt like to be put down. To have nothing, I didn't have anything. I don't think that we were too poor to pay attention, but we were pretty poor, you know. I thought we were anyway, but I mean, I guess we did have food on the table. But we lived in a duplex for 18 years, you know, and I was ashamed to bring anybody over to the house. I really had no friends because I wasn't going to bring them over there, you know. We didn't even have a shower; we had a bathtub for 18 years. You know what it's like to take a bath in a bathtub for 18 years. She was great as a kid, but, man, when you're older and you're playing football outside, man, all of a sudden you're just like, what is that brown ring around my body? (laughs) Some of you guys don't have to worry about that. You know? Listen, when I started dating Nicole, I felt it because there were people, yes, there were people in the church, in the wonderful church, that said I wasn't good enough for Nicole. No, you shouldn't be dating him, man. He's, he's a bad dude. He's from the bad side of town. He don't have enough of anything. You should run from that guy. She probably should have, but she didn't, you know. But people were saying that stuff. Man, if, if I really didn't have the identity that I had, even back then, knowing a little bit who I was, man, I could have just sent me over and go, well, you know what? Forget you. Forget all you people. Forget you church people. You ain't nothing. You know, I it could have sent me rolling out of here. You think you are, you know? So it did, I'm not saying it didn't hurt. I'm not saying, wow, that was kind of cruel because it was kind of cruel. You didn't know me, you know, but I didn't let it get to me. And in school, I didn't have those problems either. I knew who I was. I, I didn't care if, if this guy did this or that guy did that. I didn't take drugs. I never did a drug in my life and still haven't done a drug in my life. People came up, yo, man, you want this? No, I don't want it. Who do you think you are? You better than us? No, I ain't better than you. I'm not, I'm not doing it. I just ain't doing it. It's not me. Never drank. Never did nothing. I never did that stuff. Yeah, I was tempted. Of course I was. Yeah, people asked me. Yes, I was. Again, I think I've said this before. A guy put me over a fence and was going to punch me if I didn't smoke a cigarette. I didn't do it. I, bro, you're going to punch me because I ain't doing it. And he didn't do it, and I never smoked a cigarette, and I walked on to school. Bennett. Bennett school in Piqua. So I didn't care. It, nothing affected me. Yeah, things hurt. Yeah, I wish I had some money. You know, I hated walking home from school. Hated walking to the school bus. You know, I hated walking home and the guys in the cars, you know, would splash you, you know, as you're walking down the sidewalk. Man, that happened to me. You know, and then they're honking and beeping. I'm just like, man, give me a break. You know. But it didn't affect who I was because I did, I did know who I was in Christ, even though I didn't know like I know today. Okay? All right, amen. You you're you following me here. Are you following me? Okay, all right. There will always be someone that is better than you in every area of your life. Always. So again, what you do is not your true identity. It's not. To have true identity, it has to come from someone on the outside, not on the inside, to esteem us, to approve of us, and to love us. It has to be a person who doesn't lie to us or let us down. And there's only one person who is capable to do those things and who truly adores us. And I think you all know who that person is. It's your mother. <laughs> and, no, unfortunately as awesome as we love our mamas, they do let us down at times. No, his name is Jesus Jesus. His name is Jesus he's the truth the way and the life he's the only one that will never let us down and that is who we need to put our identity in the God of the universe loves you and that's the greatest identity a person can have it is I don't care if you believe it or not it's the actual truth his love for you and I isn't based on our performance Wow that's amazing it's amazing It's not. Therefore, when we know our new identity is in Jesus, we won't be trashing everybody else and defending ourselves any longer. Yeah? Right? Absolutely. It doesn't matter if Joe can sing better than me. It doesn't matter if Marge has a bigger truck than I got. I won't care any longer. Right, Because I know who I am. It's not things or stuff or what I do that my identity depends on. All right, And as a matter of fact, when you know who you are in Christ, you don't trash people, but actually you should probably start complimenting others if they have things better than you and who sing better than you and dance better than you and sing better and all the above. Because that's what's supposed to happen. You know, I compliment people all the time who are better than me. It doesn't affect me because I know who I am in Christ. Man, I do wish I could play the piano like some of those people. Man, I wish I could play that guitar like Don. But that's not my gifting. So, oh, well. Oh, well. You know? So I might be able to talk a little bit, I guess. (laughs) That's what I got. You know? And that's okay. Because that's who God made me. And that's what I'm going to work with. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Philippians 3.20 says, Our citizenship is in heaven. And we are eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter what we have down here, guys. Our citizenship is there. We are striving to get there. Everything we work for is for up there. Everything we do, what what we do for the kingdom, what we do for the church, what we do for people will have an effect on us up there. Everything else is going to burn. Unfortunately, Marge Gordon's John Deers are going to burn. You know? <laughs> They're going to go. What we do for the kingdom lasts and our citizenship is up there. Our identity is from up there. Amen. Hallelujah. Our identity wasn't achieved, but it was received when we believe that he died for us and accepted him as Lord and Savior boom, It that happened, it was there, it was done. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Now let me put the icing on the cake when it comes to this identity thing and what is not our identity. Man, this right here just rocked me. I mean, already if it hasn't sent some of you going, oh man, I'm kind of like that. Yeah, you know, I do put other people down because I'm not I'm not comfortable with who I am, so therefore I'm not gonna be comfortable with somebody else. But this right here, this right here is just going to send you over the top if what I have said so far hasn't. And that's in Philippians 2, chapter 2 and verse 6. Okay, or we'll start in verse 5 if if we will, if you can do that. Check this out. Oh, boy, here we go. Put your seatbelt on. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words think and be what we're getting ready to say next Here we go Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no Reputation. What I did not know that there were cuss words in the Bible. Wow. Made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men. Hmm. Wow. If everything I if everything I've said earlier hasn't shook you, that right there should shake you. Because we are supposed to be like Jesus. And so if Jesus said, I want you to think like me. I had everything. I was God. And I came here and made myself of no reputation. I came as a bond servant, not to be served, but to serve. That is was my identity on this earth to you. And we are supposed to be like him. So now, what does it mean to have a reputation on this earth? Be like Jesus. That's right. Be like Jesus. So, if that's the case, then who cares about our status and reputation? Right? Push your identity in Jesus to the top of all other identities that try to become number one in your life. Because if if we do what we're supposed to do and we're the Christian that we're supposed to be and we are humble and our identity is in him, listen, we don't have to have a reputation for God to move us in the places that he wants us to be in. He'll automatically put us there. When we are humble, he'll automatically give us those things. When we do what we're supposed to do and be who we're supposed to be. We don't have to try to have the big cars or the fancy clothes or the big talk. No, just live like you're supposed to live and watch what happens. Amen? Watch what happens. Praise the Lord. It's simple. It's simple stuff. Now, as Pastor said, or Pastor Nicole said, the other Wednesday night, the other thing we have to think about is who told you that. You know, she she talked about Adam and Eve. Who told you you were naked? You know, who told you you were nothing? Who told you that you aren't smart? Who told you that you are worthless? Who told you you're never going to get a mate? I mean, that list goes on and on and on and on. You know, who told you that you're no good at anything? You can't put your reputation, you can't put your identity in those things. Those are all lies. Absolute lies. Those are all false identities. And we do not give place to those thoughts which come from the devil. You don't give place to them. Push your identity in Jesus to the top of all that nonsense. Make yourself of no reputation through worship, mm -hmm, through thinking on the word of God, Not just reading it, but thinking on the scriptures of identity and who God says you are. And through applying it when the doubts come. You got to apply it. You got to do something. When those doubts come, then you push all that other stuff to the back and push who he wants you to be at the top. Your identity in him. That's what matters. Hallelujah. So that was the nugget that I wanted to throw out here, again, of what identity was not. So I hope you understood that, that little segment. I hope you understood that part. Everybody understand that? Everybody got that? All right, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because, man, sometimes it's not easy to write this stuff down, especially when it's going through your head so fast, you know? Hallelujah. So, but what I really wanted to talk to you tonight about was the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. And I already know right now when I said that, that a lot of you got a song running through your head. You know, the fruit of the Spirit's not a banana. (laughs) I don't know know what you've heard growing up. But what does the fruit of the Spirit have to do with our identity? A lot. A lot. And so as I'm looking through this and I'm studying this, I'm going, wow, that is quite a bit. So I don't know how long we're going to be discussing the fruit of the Spirit. We might go through each one you know and try to understand it but i want to just give you here for the rest of the time just lay a little small foundation about the fruit of the spirit and and how it comes about in our life and again this is just different i think differently so so kind of pay attention to how i see this and i think you'll you'll understand our identity in christ is established when we accept jesus as our Savior, and enter into a relationship with Him. We all know that. All right? Basic 101. Now our relationship is characterized by the transformative work of the Holy Spirit within us. Okay? You got that? All right? Shaping our character and conforming it to the image of Jesus. That is where we will be until we get out of here. All right? That's exactly where we are going to be until we leave. Remember, I said that the Holy Spirit sanctifies us on a daily basis when I talked on sanctification, all right? If we allow Him to, and He will, be, he will sanctify us as much as we will let Him sanctify us. I should say that, all right? So the fruit of the Spirit becomes an integral part of our identity as Christ followers, I, a major part. And I'm going to show you this right now as we allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify us and we mature in our Christian walk, then we should be starting to exhibit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and a lot more self-control. Right? Uh-huh. Okay. Boy, I can see you're getting this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we should be exhibiting those to the people that we know and to the rest of the world. They should start seeing a difference. All right? This dude has got an identity change. Man, he used to get mad like that. But somehow, by reading Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, whoo, let all anger and his bitter wrath be put away from me and let me be kind, loving, and tender-hearted, just as Christ has for me. Man, those things should start coming out. The fruit should start coming out, all right? Our character should start changing and being transformed into Christ on a daily basis. Yes, hallelujah. These qualities or attributes is what I call them become distinguishing marks of our identity as we follow Jesus. Now, we already know that we're not perfect, okay? We, we get that. And we fall short a lot, We get that as well. We understand that. However, the Holy Spirit empowers us to grow in these qualities, to continue to pursue a life that reflects Christ's character. We continue to grow. That's what I just said. So I want to focus on that word grow. All right? And my example of the fruit of the Spirit is going to be our church garden. All right? That's what I thought of today. Um, that is out there, of course, growing right now on the east side of the building. So it's, that's kind of what it looks like right now. Thank God we had that rain because now, man, it's really starting to, starting to come up and it's really starting to look good. So that's kind of what our garden looks like right now. And when I look at the garden, I have to be aware of a few things. When we pick the fruit from the garden this fall and summer, take it home and, and I make a really nice salad out of the fruit and the vegetables that are, that are in that garden, can I sit there and look in that bowl and say, man, I grew these tomatoes, I grew these vegetables, I grew this fruit. Can I say that? I can't? I, I can't say that. I got, I got some smart people in the front row over here. <laughs> okay, all right. But we did an enormous amount of work to that garden. You know, I mean, in the fall, we turned it over. And then in the spring, we turned it over again. And then we fine-tilled it. And then we put some lime in it. And then we added more dirt to it. Then we had to plant the vegetables, cut the potatoes, put them in the ground, heap them up. We had to plant the tomato plants and all the seeds. We had to do all those things. I mean, it was, it was a lot, a lot of work. But yet I can't say that, that I've grown those tomatoes and those vegetables. And you know what, you'd be right. Although we did all that work, we are not growing anything in that garden. Not one thing. Nothing. But what we have been doing is a whole lot of work to provide the right environment for that garden to do what it needs to do to grow. That's what we have been doing. But we ain't got nothing to do with the growing of that garden. <laughs> not, nothing. Nothing. Growing the garden takes that big, bright, round thing that's 95 million miles away to come and hit that garden and to bring the heat and uh, the energy and the rays to that garden. It takes shade and rain and wind. And, of course, then there is something that the kids probably still know back there in school, but you and I have forgot about it a long time ago, and that's called photosynthesis. How many of you guys back there still know that word? Yeah, you use it every day, don't you? That's right, in your vocabulary. Right. Photosynthesis. You know, it needs the plants to absorb the CO2. So we ain't got a thing to do with that. We have no control over that, over those things in that garden. It's way beyond you and I. Way beyond you and I. But our role is still extremely important. We don't grow the fruit, but we can, however, hinder the fruit from growing. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. If we don't do our part. And we find the fruit of the Spirit, of course, in Galatians 5.22. And Paul uses a metaphor, of course, to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Growing the physical garden is just like growing the spiritual fruit of the spirit in our lives. It's it's the same thing. Exactly the same thing. And we're going to talk about those things. There's so many similarities in which I want to talk about that directly affect our identity. And what happens in that garden and the fruit in that garden... Versus the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. You see, when, when the fruit starts to come out, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, or whatever, sometimes I think that we feel that we have a job to do there. It's homework. I got to go do love. <laughs> I, I got to go be more kind. I got to be generous. And that is not it at all. No, that's, that's not our job. Listen, I, I can't be, I, I live in the flesh, I have a spirit, okay? And the flesh and the spirit are always fighting each other. They'll always fight each other because if I had a board up here, I would take a round circle and I would put spirit and I would take a round circle and I would put the flesh and I would put the two circles in the middle because we live in both of those worlds. And man, is it difficult to live in both of those worlds at times. Very difficult because of the flesh versus the Spirit. And when we're talking about that garden, listen, the Holy Spirit is the one that does the work that is beyond us. Just like the sun is the one that does the work that is beyond us. It is our job to simply obey and do what the Word says. And then the supernatural love will come. The kindness will come. The gentleness will come, all right? As we cultivate that spiritual garden, we begin to change. Our character begins to change. Our identity, again, begins to change. I am not who I was. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new to you and I. So as we cultivate that physical garden, do our part then the things beyond us will continue to do their part. And then we'll finally have the fruit. We'll finally have the vegetables. We'll pick it. We'll do what we need to do. It takes our part. But becoming what God wants us to be, we, ain't, we can't do that. We can't do that. We've seen that. Lord, folks, listen, we can't even stay on a diet. We can't do it. I mean, New Year's resolutions. How many of you are still on yours? (laughs) Bud, you still are? Come up here, take my place. Here's the microphone. (laughs) This is good. One, maybe two. Oh, he didn't make one. (laughs) See, smart guy right there. He didn't make one. Very smart. Yeah. we, we, We can't even do what we tell ourselves to do. You know, and so let alone try to be who God says we're supposed to be on our own. Not going to happen. So what I want to do is everybody stand up. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And we're going to talk a lot more about this. Probably next Wednesday, I assume, we'll continue this. Um, praise God. Hallelujah. Because there's just so much to it. And, and my mind is just going crazy. Crazy you know with this identity thing and i hope i really hope and i really pray that you're starting to really see you know what identity really isn't because we focus on it so much and i really believe that's why we had to kind of i wanted to go back through here and why i really felt the holy spirit wanted me to hit it a different angle with that so if you're fighting an identity crisis right now i just want you to come up here i mean if you fight you know i don't know who i really am i i thought i was this i don't know if i'm this i I'm struggling in who I am. I, I just want you to come up here and Pastor Nicole, myself, and, and Brother John and the other prayer, prayer leaders are gonna come and pray for you. So if that's you, just come on up here. We're all family. You know, we don't care. We have no reputation. You know, we are all one. Anybody at all? Anybody at all fighting this? Fighting who you are? Everybody's, everybody knows who you are. So next Wednesday night... Pastor Phil, Brother Philip, I can bring you up here. You'll give me a a true statement of identity. Chuck, you're coming up next week. You know, Bud, you're coming up. You know, everybody's we're gonna preach together then because we all got it together. (laughs) Everybody good? Everybody okay? All right, let's just pray. Father, we come before you tonight. Oh God, we love you. Oh, we love you. We cherish you. You are so amazing. You are so amazing. I just ask, God, that this message that we are teaching on and this series that we are doing, Father, tonight, God, I ask that it just just melt into your church's spirit tonight, Lord God. I just thank you that you humble us. Humble us, Father. And that, Lord, that you want to help us, I know, to be more like you. And we want to be more like you. And God, if we do what you say, if we simply do your word, read your word, apply it to our lives, I thank you, Father, that you will put us where you want us. You will provide us the paths. You will provide us the spaces. You will provide us the areas that we can flourish in, that we can prosper in that we can have change in, Lord. Because you will never put us somewhere where we are not ready. If we're dealing, Father, with pride, if we're dealing with reputation, if we're dealing with these things, Lord, you won't give us or put us in the place that we are supposed to be because we won't be ready. So, Lord, I ask you to continue to work on our hearts, work on our minds, Father, so we can be ready ready to be put where you need us to be put in these last and final days, God. Oh, I thank you for helping us, Lord. I thank you for showing us true identity and those out there that are fighting this, Lord, not sure who they are. God, I ask that you give them the revelation of who they are and who they can be in you because that's all that matters. Oh, I thank you for that tonight, Lord God. I thank you for helping us. I thank you that these seeds fall on good ground, Lord God. Not rocky ground, but good ground. Not on ground, Father, where thorns will come up and choke the word, but good ground, Father. Hallelujah. I rebuke confusion. In Jesus' name, in the minds of your people tonight, Lord God, I thank you and I praise you and we praise you that we know and have our true identity in you, God, in these last and final days. How we give you praise and glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, guys. We love you all. You are dismissed, and we'll see you Sunday morning as we continue on healing.